Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. I'm going to introduce Jason. Jason is a guy that's been around in Selma some. He's a, he's a golf meister. That's what, what he is. He's, he's all about golf, and he's really good at it. But he's been a golf superintendent for years and recently has been in Selma as a golf superintendent and been working here with somebody locally for a while. He's been back in town about four months. And Jason plugged in with us in our little men's group on Wednesday night. And I can say this. Without a doubt, we all fell in love with Jason Reagan. He is one of the best dudes I've ever been around. He is so sold out for Jesus and so bold and and so real. And coming to our group, he helped all of us be more real. And we grew because he was in our presence. And I think you've grown too from us. Iron sharpens iron is what Proverbs tells us. And uh, Jason, Jason's been around, and he's, he's got a story to tell. And he's got a message inside of him. That song we were singing, there's a message inside of you, Jason. And you're going to have more than this opportunity to share uh, and help bring people into the kingdom. Uh, when I heard he was leaving, I said, dude, you got you to speak before you go. And he said he would. And so, y'all, this will be his last Sunday in Selma before he goes to a fantastic opportunity in North Alabama. It's just like dropped from heaven. It's so cool. And so we're happy for you, but we're sad you're going to leave, and we can't wait to hear how you strap it on this morning. Come on up here, Jason. Y'all give it up for Jason Regan. Good morning, everybody. It is good to be here. Uh, obviously, I'm a little nervous, but that's okay. I'll uh, I'll get through it. Um, I want to, first. I want to start out with just saying I know we're praying a lot, but I just want to pray real quick over that God will speak uh, to everybody here. Father, we just lift you up this morning. Father, I give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. You're a mighty God. You're worthy to be praised. I just pray that this word that I speak, which is my testimony, it is, it is what I've lived. Um, it's what I've and currently going through. It is my journey. So I just pray that um, as I speak my testimony today, Father, that you'll touch hearts and that um, you'll bring people into either a closer relationship with you or even to a more real, close relationship with the creator of all things. So, Father, I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, I thought I'd start out because I play golf, obviously. There's a lot of golfers in here, so I got a little golf analogy I'm going to throw out there real quick, and then I'll go in. Um, But um, Mr. Lane is sitting out there, right out there in the back, and I I sent him a letter when I was in rehab. Might as well just get it out there. I had to go to rehab. Everybody knows, so you might as well just tell it like it is. So... I was in rehab, and I'd sent some letters out to a lot of the guys who had supported me and, and helped me. And, um, and it's very similar to our walk 
um, with God. I mean, you at times in your life can get really down and really low. And I told him, I said, you know, it's about like being, I'm in the deepest bunker you've ever been in. Imagine being in a bunker that's about 15 feet deep. They don't even make a club that's even capable of getting out of this bunker, right? I don't know where this came from, but at one of the clubs I was at, this guy had given me a, literally a 76 degree sandwich. Uh, you would almost think when you hit a 76 degree sandwich that you just about would bust yourself on the nose if you swung too hard because it's going to go straight up. Only golfers understand what I'm saying. But, you know, that's how God is. He, he will even create a golf club that is capable of getting out of a 15-foot bunker with a 15-foot lip on it. All right, that's straight up. And then on top of that, what else is he going to do? Well, obviously, you're going to make the putt, and you're going to make a par, and you're going to move on. So I know a lot of y'all don't get that, but that's just I'm trying to be funny. I'm not very funny. <laughs> All right. So anyway, here we go. I want to read. I do have scripture. I'm going to start. And like I said, this is, this is my story. Um, and now that I'm getting older, in my 50s, I have to wear glasses, so hang on. All right. This is in Mark uh, chapter 13. Um, it's going to be verses um, uh, 16 through 23. It says, But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell... I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Um, amen. Well, you know, this is my story, so I'm just going to get started. You know, starting out, I, I grew up, I had a great family life. You know, my mom and dad were, um, they loved me to death. You know, there weren't any, there weren't any issues with, with drinking or anything like that. You know, um, just everything was perfect, pretty much. Um, I hate to say it, but it was. That's just how it was. And um, I can remember young, giving my life to the Lord. We were Presbyterian, and I had gone into the, they call it confirmation. When you're in Presbyterian, it's called confirmation. And so you go through classes, and then they... After you go through baptism, baptism in the Presbyterian Church is they just you know, sort of sprinkle water on your, your head, and that's baptism. You know, I was young. I was sort of doing it because everybody else was doing it. Um, it really wasn't a heart thing. For me at the time, it was just sort of, and I'm not saying that as a, a young, 
a young person can get saved. You can, but it is a hard issue, and it and it really is. Um, I think believing, really truly believing in your heart that you know Jesus died for our sins. Um, I would say the seed was planted at an early age. Obviously, we went to church and everything. So I went on through high school and through and through college, and you know. I like to have a good time and have fun. I played golf, golf growing up. I played other sports, but um, I, I did get into quite a bit of trouble when I was younger growing up. I like to have a good time. So uh, I, you know, I was I smoked pot growing up. I I drank here and there. I mean, it wasn't like it was an everyday deal, but that was sort of the crowd I was in. I had an older brother who um, sort of introduced me to that. He was about three and a half years older than me. So when you got a brother who's you know, 10th grade and you're in 8th grade, you know, sort of things. Just, I think the potential is there for stuff like that to happen because um, I watched everything my big brother did. And, um, and whatever he did I thought was cool, so I mimicked it. Um, so I get through that, and I sort of started the trail of going down that road of um, doing those things. I went into college, and... and um, it just increased, you know. The college is a big party, so I was into to drinking and doing all those things. And so when I got to the university, and I was in college quite a while, and I don't want to go down that road because it take up too much time. But you know, I did graduate from some of those colleges, but not all. Um, so I get to University of Tennessee, and um, I think it was my first semester there, and it was football season which is party time, football season. So we're, you know, we're going to football games, we're having a good time. And I had moved into an apartment when I first got there and there was a guy that I'd met. I didn't know him very well, but you know, he lived pretty close to me. And one night we met and we're hanging out and got into doing something I hadn't done before. And it was drugs, but it was something I hadn't done. And um, I can remember doing it I think I was up for like three days. I mean, I literally did not go to sleep for three days. And I don't know if it was laced with something or whatever, maybe it was. Um, and I don't want to glorify all this stuff. But anyway, that got me to a point um, where I can remember I, I woke up uh, like I wasn't asleep the whole time. I couldn't sleep. But I remember after that experience, I remember calling my mom and I said, you know, I told her, I told her what what had happened and um and she said we well, you know pastor uh, there's a pastor that's up in knoxville and he used to be in florence alabama and he said you know he's been up there for a while and i think she told me when i first got there and it went in one ear and out the other i didn't pay any attention to it and um so i ended up going to um to that church and there was a guy there that i met that was in the campus ministry and this is me at the age of, I was, like I said, I had been to two junior colleges, UNA, and now I was at University of Tennessee, so I was about 24 years old. I guess I could have been a doctor if I would have been, you know, <laughs> so long I was in school. But um, I met this guy who was in the campus ministry, and um, he was, uh, he seemed a little weird to me. You know, I got, I met with him, it was on, and I won't forget, because tomorrow's February the 14th. So 1996, February 14th is when I gave my life to the Lord. Um, and I met this guy on Valentine's Day. And, you know, it was like most everybody's doing something with their, their girlfriend or whatever. It's Valentine's Day. And so we met at a, at a restaurant. 
And I remember sitting down with the guy, and he was just sitting over there, and I was like, I don't care what this guy thinks about me. I don't care um, what he knows. It just didn't matter to me. I was just like, I'm going to spill the beans and just tell him what's up. So I did. And I remember the whole time I'm talking to him, he's sitting over there um, just smiling. I'm like, man, what's going on with this guy? He's smiling. I'm telling him, and I'm just telling him all this terrible stuff. And he's just sitting there smiling about And I go, well, I get done. I say, yeah, that's it. That's about all I got. And he just goes, he said, well, Jay, he said, um, he said, are you ready? And I was like, ready for what? You know, and he's like, are you ready? He said, are you ready to give your life to the Lord? And I sat there for a second, and I was like, you know, I think I am. I think I am ready. For the first time in my life, through this walk, with the things that I had been involved in, which was drinking and doing all that crazy stuff, this time it meant something to me. I knew that I needed God in my life. I knew that without Him, that I wasn't going to make it. And um, so it was a heart thing. You know, it says, you know, if we seek Him and seek Him with all our heart, He'll take our heart of stone, He'll change it into a heart of flesh, and He'll move us to follow our decrees. What I like about that verse so much is it says, if you seek me with all your heart, all your heart, he does the rest. He says, I'll take your heart of stone. I'll change it to a heart of flesh. I'll move you to follow my decrees. It's just about surrendering your life to him. But it's got to be a, it's a heart issue. Do you truly give it all to him? And so at that point, I did. I gave it to him. From that point on, I mean, I did nothing. I mean, I, I, I stopped drinking. I, I quit everything. Um, for the next 10 years, I didn't drink a drop, didn't do anything. I think one year after that, I, I graduated the next year. I cruised through school. You know, I wasn't doing very good. I was about to flunk out of school. Imagine that. Don't go to class. You're probably not going to pass for you out there going to college. Um, you got to at least go to class. Um, but, I mean, I was, I was in a hole, and I was, I was thinking, it's going to be hard. I mean, I barely got, I got up to a C. I got through that semester, and then I cruised through after that. No problems. Um, you know, graduated. I got out. I, my first job, my first job actually was in Huntsville at Valley Hill Country Club, but I was only there about 10 months. And when I came to Selma, I was probably about as green as they get. I mean, I'd only been out of college 10 months. I didn't, you know, I got, I got the knowledge, you know, how to grow grass and do things like that. But you don't learn really until you get out into the world and you do it. Um, and so when I came to Selma, I was green. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, Tommy Burns was even telling me how to grow grass. Imagine that. Y'all, that's funny. No, he knows what he's doing. I'm just kidding. But, you know, I, I got here, and I wasn't married yet at the time. I was single and um, got in out at Selma Country Club, and, I mean, I was just I was ready to go. You know, you get out of college, you, you, re, you got that first job. I mean, you just want to do the best you can. You'll work 24-7. You don't think twice about it all the time. You just put it all in. I just wanted to be successful. Whatever I did, I wanted, I wanted to be the best if I could. Um, so I got in, and everything's great. I mean, not long after that, I married my wife, um, Valerie, which I, to this day, still love her to death. She's the prettiest um, woman in the world as far as I'm concerned, and, and we've we got our issues right now, but God's in control of that, so I'm giving that to him. Um, and it 
may take time, and that's if it does, and that's the way it is. But um, so I met her, and we have three children: Thomas, Kate, and Annalise. Some of the most unbelievable kids in the world. I'm a little biased, but yep, they're awesome. I love them, and I, um, I miss them a lot. Um, So as when we had when we had our three children, like I said, I was in a a very good relationship with the Lord. He was leading everything that I did. Um, we had a I had a Bible study at my house. Some some of these guys I know there's people here in Selmer. I had guys that came to it, and um, and I say I was leading it through my pastor. He was helping me put together the topics that we would have every week but it was at the house and and I really felt like God had a call on my life and, and it was in the ministry it was and, and my, when I say ministry it's more of um, it was on a one-on-one -on -one kind of basis you know build relationships we have people in our sphere of influence that either at work or wherever they're at and just wanted God to use me wherever I was and you know if it gets if it's bigger than that then fine but I'll know if that's it is what it is so you know, I'm going through, and like I said, for eight to ten years, everything was fine. Pretty much the whole time I was here at Selma. I can barely remember right before I left. Um, you know, I had, my dad was, my dad was in Montgomery, and he was having to, he had some issues, and I was having to visit him. Um, well, he he was uh, caught embezzling in a company he was in, and he was having to serve like a year in Montgomery. And I remember they moved down here because he wanted mom to be here with us while he was doing that. And my mom had the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. And so at that time, after eight years, there was a very tough time for me because I was, you know, I was still on fire for God. I still had a close relationship with him, but I sat there and I watched you know, I understood that with my dad, and I forgave my dad. You know, he made a mistake. We all do. And um, and I love him to death, and he's been there for me every step of the way. You know, but my mom, you know, I loved my mom. I mean, she was my rock. Mama Regan was everything to me. And, um, you know, to watch her go through that um, with Alzheimer's, it killed me. I mean, it really hurt me. Um, because I didn't understand it. You know, by the time she passed away, um, she didn't even know who I was. And, uh, and that, that's what hurt. I can remember, I got, you know, I just got mad at God. I got upset about it because I was like, you know, Lord, she's a, a godly woman. She's um, been an incredible mom. You know, why would you allow her to, to die like this and um, not, not even be able to remember me? And so... I really, um, I really struggled with that, and so as I was going through that at the time, it was there was an instance there at the club where a lot of the same guys, and it's no big deal. I mean, but a lot of the same guys that always, when I would come into the men's locker room or whatever, be like, "Hey, Regan, you want a beer?" kind of deal. I've been there eight years. Same guys offering me a beer. I'd said no for eight years, but they still <laughs> offered me a beer if I wanted one which is no big deal, and I can remember telling whoever it was, I was like, you know, man, just offer me a Coke. I mean, I don't drink beer. I'm good. I'll drink a Pepsi or whatever. 
But I sat down that day, and we were inside. Um, it was a rain delay. It was a club championship or something. So we were in there for almost an hour. And that was right at that time in my life where my mom was going through that, and my dad was, I was driving back and forth to Montgomery. We had had two kids. Kids were driving Valerie crazy. You can imagine it was a lot going on. And, um, and I was just like, man, what's the big deal? I'll drink a beer. Well, I've never been able to drink one, so I drank about four in the span of about 45 minutes. And after not drinking, I'm not a very big guy, so you drink four beers in 45 minutes, um, you got you a pretty good buzz. So <laughs> I was feeling good. So we rain stops. We go back out, and we're going to go finish up the club championship. And I think that year um, I, I birdied like four out of the last seven or eight holes. I shoot 67. I win the club championship. And from that point on, See, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy our life, period. He'll take anything he can to do that. He took something I loved, which was golf, and he corrupted it. He knew that if I could have success, which I had done pretty well, but, you know, until I really started drinking, I really didn't quite win tournaments as often as when I didn't drink. I don't know if it just calmed me down. I don't know. That's what it did. It just relaxed me, I guess. Um... And so I battled with that from that day forward for like the next six or seven years, I was drinking and playing golf. And obviously, slowly, I fell away from my relationship with God. Going through what I went through with my mom and my dad, and then when the drinking started, it was a slow process, but it, it, um, it turned into a big problem. And... As the passage I opened up with, when I'm talking about the seed, you know, the seed being, you know, sown on, on good soil and on rocky soil, you know, the worries of the world um, definitely took me away from my relationship with God. I was all concerned about, one, playing golf, and I was concerned about my job. We moved here. We took a, I had got a great job down in Florida. I was making... It was making really good money. I mean, we had, we, had, we had the American dream. We had a beautiful house. We had cars. We had a member at the nicest country club there in Ocala, Florida. I mean, it couldn't have been any better from a world's point of view. We had money. We had house. We had everything. But, you know, I didn't have peace. I didn't have joy. Maybe if I went out and shot 65, I got, had some joy for about 30 or 45 minutes, and then I got in my car, and as I drove away, that joy was gone. You know, it didn't give me peace. It didn't give me joy. I began to walk away from my relationship with my wife. I, don't, I do not blame my wife one bit for doing what she's doing right now in our relationship. I don't, because I fell away. I was called to be the spiritual leader of our family, and, um, and when I did not do that, Things got sideways. You know, she lost her trust, and she lost um, her security. And that's on me, not her. So God has called me through all of this to love her unconditionally through every bit of this, no matter what. Um, and my prayer is, is that, yes, hopefully we can get back together. But if not, then that's God's plan. I'm okay with whatever he's got planned. So as we go in, and I'm, 
<clears throat> and as I go into this, as the end, towards the end of the story, there's still a little bit to go. And I don't, if I, you start pointing at your watch if I'm getting too long. Uh, so as that happened, we, we moved down to Ocala. And um, I started getting bounced around all over the place. I was with a management company. We would get contracts. You know, it may be a contract for three years. You may come in and start at a golf course where they already had a contract. You may be two years into that contract, and you're there a year. At the end of that contract, they'd send it out to bid. If somebody underbids it, then you're gone. You could have been doing a great job. It didn't really matter. Um, so I was getting bounced around. I was in Miami. I was in Boca Raton. They were up in Ocala. I was just all over the place. So I really wasn't with my family that much um, working for that management company. I started slowly towards the end there, I started losing jobs. Um, the alcohol became a problem. It was, you know, me drinking and playing golf, but then it became a problem. And um, never until here, um, as far as getting DUIs, nothing like that, it was just on the job I would drink and play golf with the membership um, or the people who were, if it was public, just the guys that played. And there were some instances where I got, I lost my job because of drinking. Um, and I think as Valerie started seeing that, that trend, you know, she became concerned. And so she did what she had to do. And I never, I kept telling myself, you know, that I didn't really have a problem. You know, that I thought I could control it. And that's what all alcoholics tell themselves. They can control it. I can do it this time. Well, I couldn't. I wished I could, but I couldn't. You know, and I don't have any problem with people drinking. You know, people can drink a couple beers. That's fine. That's them. It's just not me. I can't do it. So I lost everything. I lost my wife. I've lost my kids. Um, I haven't lost my kids, but I've lost that relationship with them where I'm at home. We're all in the same house. Yeah, I still communicate with them. We still have a good relationship. But it's different. It's different. It's not the same. And I got two daughters, 15 and 13. And if you think a dad doesn't want to be home with his two daughters at 15 and 13, it's killing me, okay? It's killing me. Every time I talk to her on the phone, all right, who are you talking to? What's his name? Tell him to call me. I need to talk to him. <laughs> and, and when I get home, the first thing, I drove in this last weekend, she was sitting in the driveway as I'm coming to pick up Annalise. She's sitting in the driveway in this Jeep. I'm like, well, she ain't got a car yet. It's just some weird-looking Jeep, and that's her boyfriend. All right, so I drive up. I get out of the car, and she's sitting in the car with this, this boy, and I'm like, you know, like dads do. I walk up, and I'm talking to Cade. I didn't even hardly even acknowledge that he was even sitting in the car. I'm just talking to her. And then I look over there at him, and I'm like, yeah, what's your name? Mm -hmm. He tells me. I shake his hand. I'm nice. But that's just how dads are. Don't mess with my daughter. Um, so I'm going through all of this. It's a transition. But as I, when I had, it all hit me here at Selma Country Club. You know, I thought it was great. I was going to come back to Selma. Everything was going to be awesome. I said, you know, I'm just going to retire here. You know, they have, they have faith in me. They, they know what I can do. You know, they've, they've seen I can do a good job, and I'm just going to retire here. 
Well, it didn't work out that way. That's not God's plan. I came in, and I was still drinking. I was still doing those things, and it, and it happened. I got a DUI and had to go. Had a hard time making that decision, making that decision to go to rehab. I was like, man, I need a job. I got to make money. I've, I need to provide for my kids. You know, how in the world am I going to take three months off? Like nothing, no cell phone, anything. And I remember talking to Bob Frazier, and that guy is awesome. And Will Paris is too. And all you guys around here have helped me. Um, it's been tough. It still is. But I can, remember, I can remember talking to Bob that day, and I said, you know, we made that decision before I went in and sat down with Tommy Jones. Before I went in and sat down, we made that decision before I went in there. I didn't know that I wasn't even thinking about it. That going to rehab would help me with my DUI. It was, that wasn't the, the reason why I went. I went because I knew I needed to go. So I go to, I go to rehab. Thank God it was a Christian-based rehab. You know, I got in there, and I literally, at 50 years old, to be able to sit down and for three months literally not think about the outside world or anything, just focus on your relationship with God. And um, that's where I rededicated my life. And when, you, when I read these parables, and it, and it talks about the seed that was planted, and I'll have to probably go back to it and refer to it, but what happened, what happened with me is that I, I fell away. I mean, I obviously, I fell away from my relationship with God. It doesn't mean that when I first accepted Christ when I was up at the University of Tennessee, it doesn't mean that that wasn't a real experience. All it means is that that was the beginning of my relationship with God. That's where it started. And I've had to go through all these things. All the, I've had to lose, I, I had to lose everything. I had to lose my wife, my kids, jobs, everything. Um, I mean, literally, I, I've, I've lost everything, it seems like. Or at least that's from a worldly point of view. I can honestly tell you, once I got out of rehab, and I did rededicate my life to the Lord, Ever since I've gotten out, I have been, I'm back into that relationship with God. And when I say, I've, I don't want you to think that once you get saved, that it's just all going to, it's all just going to be perfect. It's not anywhere close. It's not. It's the journey. And because I fell away, you know, God loves us so much. He, desire, he desires a relationship with us so much that, you know, the sin in our life, there's consequences for it. We have, to, we have to take the consequences of our sin. And that was, for me, it was drinking. And I lost everything because of it. But what it's done is it has brought me back to where I was, back into that relationship with God where literally I, there's not a day go by, there's not a minute that goes by that I'm not depending completely and totally on God and His direction. My complete faith and trust is in Him leading me wherever He leads me. I mean, I had to go, I was up here working for Mr. Hoffman Ryan, and um, 
thank God I even got an opportunity to have a job. But I mean, for a month, I think we planted about 20,000 trees in the span of a month. And I was having to carry these bags out to the, the guys that were planting the trees, these 100-pound bags of trees out to them in 75-acre fields, which is five, 600 yards from one side to the next. And I'm doing this for a month, and it is killing me. Um, I think I probably lost about 10 pounds at least while I was doing all that. And, um, but you know, I, through all of that, I've had peace and joy, even going through this divorce of my wife, even going through all these challenges and losing these jobs and, and back and forth. It brought me into a place to where I knew that he was in control. And all these friends, when I say friends, I can't believe the support that has come from the people here in Selma. I mean, I knew I had friends, but I mean, they've been over backwards to help me. I mean, I got guys calling me every day, how you doing, is there anything I can do, anything I can help you with? I mean, it is unbelievable how God uses people. And that's really my point, I wanna let you guys know, I'll let all of you know. He wants to use every one of us right where we're at. It doesn't, I mean, in your, in your job, with your family. I mean, there's so many people around us. The biggest thing that I've come to, to realize is that God has opened my eyes to all the people around me. And it was there before, but it's so, it's so deeper this time. He is truly in control, and he is, what I have seen is through the people that he has surrounded me with. I've seen God work through all the people in my life. And I'm going to tell you right now, God is good. When I say God is good, there is, there is this peace that does go beyond comprehension. There is a joy that I have inside. Even in the, the, the worst of situations, I've had more peace and joy in the last seven months than I've ever had in my life. Even though it stinks, even though it's hard, it's difficult, I'm okay. I can, lay down, I can lay my head down at night, and I know that God's in control of my life. Every step of the way, He is. So, for me, I'm like, just a lot, like a lot of you guys were. I had everything. I thought I did. But now I know I've got, I've got everything now. It doesn't matter what comes before me. There's no fear. There's no fear in God. Uh, you know, fear not, for I am with you. This I believe, and I know it's true, you know. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He has not changed. He's still healing. He's still redeeming. He's still setting the captive free. He has for me. He has set me free. He's given me a vision. He's given me hope. He's given me peace. He's given me joy. And it's not going anywhere. This is not fake. This is real. God is real. His love is real. And he, through the people that he has surrounded me, the doors that he has opened, everything he has done is, is just, it's unbelievable. I mean, it really is. It makes, you know, why? Well, because he loves us. He really does. Unconditional love is unbelievable. I just hope and pray that I can give that same unconditional love that he's given me to, to anybody and everybody that I meet.
you can't, I, when I first got saved, it was just, I was all up in, in people's face. You know, do you know you have a relationship with God? Do you know Jesus? You know, I was just so on fire that it was like too much. I like to think that I've gained a little bit of wisdom over the years, but yes, it, it is a former relationship. Live it, walk it, allow God to let you speak into somebody's life when the time is right. And, and you'll know. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and discernment to, make, to know when the time's right. He just does. And he doesn't, like, like a big cloud opens up in the sky and the voice bumps, you know, that's not how it works. You just know in your heart when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. You know. You know, the, the devil's not going to tell you to go give somebody a helping hand. Um, but the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. And that's, um, you know, that's where I'm at. I'm so... I'm so thankful, and, and if you guys only knew, there's no scenario like this in the world that could ever happen. I knew that I wouldn't be able to get back into the golf industry. I didn't think it would happen for a long time. I had burned every bridge there was, um, and God kept giving me chance after chance after chance, and I kept messing up and messing up. And I was like, man, I'm just, I won't, you know, I love being on a golf course and managing one, but I just don't think I'll be able to do it. Well, there is this golf course called Quail Creek, and it's a golf resort. And the guy who owns it's a pastor. And they don't serve alcohol there. And there's a church right in the middle of the golf course. Have you ever heard of that? I didn't think there was such a thing. I'm at, really? Well, that sounds, that sounds like where I need to go. <laughs> um, about the only place I could go, you know? If I, I mean, really? I mean, yeah, you can buy alcohol out the store and bring it, which I'm sure they do. But it's not there. They don't sell it there. The guy's a pastor. He's an awesome man of God. He's basically going to be leading me. He's going to disciple me. I'm going to grow in my relationship with the Lord. I got a church right in the middle that's literally within 100 yards of the driving range. Got the hitting bays and the driving range house. It's right there. I've already gotten with them. I said, look, there's only one thing that I'm not going to come and work for you unless you let me do this. He's like, what's that? I said, well, you're going to have to let me have control of all the, the sound and the music and everything in that, in that church. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, if I want to come up here at 5 o'clock in the morning and I want to blast the music and praise God, I don't care if I'm in there by myself. I want to be able to do that. He's like, well, sure, of course. Go ahead. I'm like, all right. That's the deal breaker. <laughs> so it's just, I cannot imagine having this opportunity. A man of God, the church, I'm going to get to teach. I'm actually going to get to teach golf. I've never even thought about it, but i got a son and a daughter who are pretty good golfers, so apparently I can teach some. Um, but I'm going to get to teach the high school, the middle school. I'm going to be able to, to pour my life into to kids growing up and teach them the game of golf. This guy's heart for golf, his ministry is all based around... He, he ties everything in with his ministry with golf. It's just the craziest thing. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away by what, how much detail God has thrown into this. I'm talking about detail. He knows me. He knows my heart. He knows I love golf. I mean, he went to the detail of putting me somewhere where I'm gonna be able to teach too. And there's a church, and he's a pastor, and they don't. Serve. I mean, I could go on all day. It's just ridiculous. Give your heart to God. 
He says, seek me and seek me with all your heart. All your heart. It's not a game. It's not coming on Sunday and coming on Wednesday. For me, it's every day, every minute, every hour. I'm seeking him. He's on my mind. He's guiding me. He's directing me. There's where your peace and joy comes from. It's not going to be in a big house and the big money and the car, the fancy car, the swimming pool, the great job, tons of money. It doesn't. It didn't work for me. And I, I wouldn't say I was rich, but I, I, had, I had everything I needed and most of my wants, um, which I would call rich. Um, but I wasn't, I had no peace. I had no joy. You're only going to find that peace and joy in him. So give it, give it to him. Surrender it all to him. And he will, um, he'll show you the way. I mean, he will literally open the doors for you. You'll know that's the way to go. I mean, it's funny. Bob, Bob was like, the guy called me right back, and he, he said, you want to come up here? And, um, and I told Bob, I'm like, Bob, you know, I said, I think I need to pray about this. And Bob's like, what? What's there to pray about? He said, get in your car and go down there, man. I'm like, yeah, you're right. All right. Um, but that's all I got. That's all I got. I, I hope that um, I know I'm rambling. Hopefully I'll get better at this the more, the more I do it. But um, it was a pleasure. I appreciate you all letting me share. That's all I got. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.